0: deal it's your boy j16 here to keep it real and drop it on another topic yo today man we're gonna have a really good episode it is the 30th anniversary of midnight Marauders and into the 36 chambers by wu-tang i am really enjoying this time right now Um, I'm such a big fan of both of the groups. It was such an iconic year, that 93 year, especially November, man. On November 9th, we got these two iconic classic albums that dropped at the same damn time. Yo, when you think about it and what Woo meant to us growing up in the Northeast and what um, Tribe Called Quest meant to us, it was just like a different... Level of understanding when it came to hip hop, and man, we gotta pay homage to these good group, these two groups. The crazy thing is, '93 had a lot of other iconic rappers that came out with albums at the same time. That November month was such a classic time. Snoop dropped Doggy Style at the same time. It was a lot of different artists that was dropping albums, but nothing hit the same way or hit as well as when you think about the whole Wu-Tang into the 36 Chambers and Midnight Marauders. I mean, when you think about it, um, there's so many great things about that 93 year, that November, that fall, um, just going back to that time. Like, I was young at the time, so to be honest, I really didn't fully grasp how important both of those albums were. In my opinion, I was always leaning to being more of a uh, a Wu Tang fan, just based off of my brother, um, he was such a big Wu fan. So him being a Wu fan, um, it changed the dynamics of what I looked at as hip hop, and that was the sound that I always gravitated to. Um, definitely was a, a a different time. It was a different time in America. It was a different time, basically around the world. Um, and the crazy thing is, about when you think about Wu Tang, when they drop. It was really tied directly into what we looked at as a culture, what was important for us, man. The whole sound of music was changing. The West Coast had a lot of things locked down. And as the East Coast, you needed a group to come out and change the dynamics of that. And that's what we got What we got the wool right? Um, when you thought about the right, Into the 36 Chambers, they debut album... There's lots of things you need to remember. One of the biggest things you need to remember during this time is that um, Rakim, well, RZA, I'm I'm going by his uh, name, Prince Raheem, right? He was really already in the industry. Him and JZA both were in the industry, and and RZA came back to his neighborhood to get artists from his neighborhood to create this super group, you want to look at it. Um, and he told him as the abbot that, just trust me, if y'all rock out with me for, t- I think it was 10 years, you're going to see something that you never see. And hip hop needed that. That's why when Into the 36 Chambers dropped, it was so, it was just touched and gravitated so many different levels, man. When you think about that classic album, and RZA spoke on it, basically saying he knew that when it dropped, it was going to change the game because it was what the industry was missing. And if you listen to the cannabis, uh, so simple, you hear Ray Kwan talk, uh, uh, Ray, uh, Ghostface talking about it when he says he knew that the game was missing that. And that's what well, Ray Kwan was talking about. He knew the game was missing, and that's why Wu was going to do what they did, um, with the Into the 36 Chambers. Now, tons of tons of information you think about Into the 36 Chambers, man. It was probably one of the most important in dynamic albums that came out in that year. Now, Tribe with Midnight Marauders was tough, too, but the Into the 36 Chambers gave you this raw type of hip-hop that we all were looking for when we thought about um, music. So much things changed based out of that that concept that all of us was looking for. It was the missing. It was the hardcore feeling that hip-hop was missing. Coming out of the New York Sound, a lot of it was being um, music was being gravitated into the west coast at the time so when snoop was already coming out with dre and dropping all this music the, the nwa sound death row a lot of the chronic drop the year before that so it was lots of different music that was coming out of that area and, the, and new york didn't really have a sound that we all was gravitating to until we got into the 36 chambers now lots of great things about that album man when you think about it um one of the dopest things i really appreciated about into the 36 chambers was that it was always speaking a god language right the five percent nation was tied directly into that album man um when you listen to it you hear the songs the tracks on the album everything is about the god language understanding the supreme mathematics the supreme alphabet right then you get tied into with the with the the, the asian uh, Kung Fu samples, man. So many different levels and dynamics to it. The first track on it, man, from from a protection neck to tears to uh, the um, uh, the art of the, ch- the art of chess boxing, Like so many different levels of music was dynamically changed when you listen to Into the Thirty Six Chambers on so many different so many different areas. Man, um other fun facts about that album that I always love to hear is like it's so crazy how ODB, man, he was probably one of the most he was the clown bringing a humor to hip hop that we needed and when ODB got on the album what you think about it ODB is probably the most um he has the most the high, the most sold gold uh the most top 40 records of any Wu-Tang member and he was looked at as the member who Mike might have not came so lyrical on any track, but he was always the, the energy that they needed. And RZA spoke on it basically saying that ODB was the heartbeat of the, of the group. He, Him and ODB and probably the genius knew that that album was going to be something that everybody had to listen to and it was going to change the game. As soon as it dropped, man, you can go back to ODB talking about it. Like, yeah, I knew that Into the 36 Chambers was going to be something that was going to be dynamic for all of us, man. Um, Some other cool facts about it is, yo, it had actually demo cuts on that that never made the album. So some of the demo cuts were basically tracks that didn't make the album, but they spoke on them like songs like um, Problems, a, a track that would have been really dope. I wish I would have heard that. Um, the uh, The Woo's Coming Through was another track that didn't make the album. Um, it's All About Me, which in a crazy thing. It has references to De La Soul. Be myself an eye on it. So it's just tons of different tracks that never made the album, but we all could just agree that those tracks made the album, but still would have been a classic album on so many different levels. But that the album was just just raw when you think about it, right? Um another thing that's crazy about the album that we tend to not look into is like when you listen to Clan in the front, you hear um Genius on that track talking about pass the bone, pass the bone. Now, the funny thing about Genius saying past the bone. Genius was already part of Cold Chillin' Records, man. And he was saying words like Pass the Bone was Was basically um, on a track that he had on his first album, um, Words from the Genius, that didn't make the track cut when he dropped it. But it ended, he ended up re-releasing it in 94. But in 91, when he dropped um, Words from the Genius, that track didn't make it. So it was sort of like a shot Genius was putting on like, yeah, they didn't want to make my album hit the, hit the, hit the streets. So I'm going to basically say, I'm going to talk about the track that never made it. Um Other tracks on that, man, from Protect Your Neck to um, to um songs like, like Ghost Face and why the album had different people not wearing that mask on it. A lot of rappers, man, that was part of that Wu sound. They didn't want to show their face, man. They was facing crimes and all types of stuff. So that's why the cover shows so many of them masked up, man. That's something that's really deep. Now the crazy thing is when you think of the singles, like the B tra- the beat the B side with like Method Man, Method Man is a really unique track, man. The crazy thing is, Method Man actually wasn't his real his rap name when he created Method Man. It was already a track that was moving deep through the um the streets of Staten Island. But it was basically like a track that he was talking about himself as as his figure, like as a Method Man, basically, as somebody who smoked a lot of weed. His real rap name when he was um, from around the way as a rapper in Staten Island was uh, Shaquan the, the Panty Raider, which is crazy. That shit kind of blew my mind. And the track Method Man was just a song that he was using, talking about him using weed and stuff like that. That's why you listen to the track. A lot of the songs that he speak, a lot of the stuff that he's speaking on Method Man is tied directly into, uh, like smoking weed and things of that nature. Now, some of the other crazy things about this album, man, when you look at, when you listen to it, is that the music that was coming out at the in that time and the dynamics of the music that was being dropped in New York the, into the thirty six chambers was one of those albums that when you hear it, you just got to put yourself back at that time. It was just a raw time. And from every track on it, from Cream to Protect Your Neck to Tears to, to Clan in the Front, every one of those tracks had a different dynamic to what we were looking for when we was hearing hip-hop coming out of the, the New York Sound and coming out of the area. Um, and it's one of the greatest, to me, one of the greatest albums to ever drop. I remember when I first got the album right I'm thinking back to the age I was young so I heard it and funny story is when I first heard the album I heard it from my bro now I didn't really fully grasp how classic the album was until later in life when I was trying to get the Wu-Tang Greatest His album I remember going to get it from the spot around the way, you know, one of them, the, the local spot that had all the records, not like the Wiz or Tower Records or or any of these coconuts, all the things back in the day that we had to get music from. This was more from like the, the local bootlegger that had all the albums. And I remember me and my mans, it was out of that album. And I think it was Dark and Hell is Hot by, 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 by um, DMX. And we actually, I remember stealing that album. That's the crazy thing. Of, and, and hearing it in Really fully grasping how, grasping how deep Wu got into it. Now, the funny thing, this had to be around the 98, 97 year, which is another time they dropped another classic album, which is Wu-Tang Forever. And that album, to me, is the greatest Wu-Tang album ever dropped. Not take nothing away from Into the 36 uh, Chambers, but that Wu-Tang Forever cemented them. And they was a double-disc album that you really had to sit around at record stores to pick up. Now, crazy thing is, I remember when it was dro- it dropped, we like, you would get the album and you would listen to it. And the funny thing is, my brother had the album. He was playing, we were at the courts, he was playing it on the courts. And everybody was listening to it. It was one of the hardest albums. Every track on that album hit from Triumph to like, In the Impossible. You could just go down the track listing of it. But the funny thing is, when now uh, you listen back to that album, you hear. Uh, you hear, basically, when you heard the tracks on it, everything was in dynamics of the 5% Nation and breaking down the facts of why certain things sh- shouldn't, shouldn't be done a certain way. And Yo, go get the Wu-Tang double disc. It's all the information and education you'll need. You ain't even got to go to summer school. You know, RZA talking about like that on the album. But I remember my brother playing it at the courts, and somebody literally went into the radio and stole the tape now that is the craziness of how dope that album was man there's tons of stories about everything when people talked about i I was listening to this dude talking about when he first heard into the 36 chambers and he was from i think it was uh ecuador one of these countries he didn't understand english and they were asking him yo what was it about the album that y'all really gravitated to and he was like yo we didn't understand what they were saying but we loved it. We loved the beats. We loved every dynamic track on that album. And one of the crazy things about that album was, when we heard it, and we heard the beats, and we heard all of this. We could not understand what they were saying, but it was raw. It was raw. The going back to back, the bar play, the word play, and everything. We didn't know what they were saying. We understood the the we understood the words that were bad words and stuff, the curse words, but we ain't really understand this anything but the beat and the beat is what gravitated these these people from other countries to sit down and listen to it. Now, when I think about it, you know, everything about Into the 36 Chambers was a dynamic breakdown of my childhood in a nutshell. That's why I love that album so much. It was a real vision of what my childhood was like. And everything that The Woo put into that album, from every track on that album, into my, like, my favorite track on that so many tracks on that album. My favorite is Tears. I could listen to that joke every single day. It's that dope of a song, man. I don't even know if it's a true song, where Riz is talking about his brother being killed. But it was just one of those tracks that when I hear it, I just go back into the memory of that time and what we were going through. Now... That's why I really enjoy that album, man. It's so deep. It's so dynamic. And there's so many different stories that you hear from the artists that came from it, from ODB, his career that blew up, one of the only group artists that has multiple top 40 hits on his resume, to Method Man, who had a crazy career, dropped classic album, classic album after classic album, to like Raekwon and Ghost from everything from Iron Man to the Purple Tape. So many classic artists came from that label to, to the genius to respect the deck. You got Master Killer, whoever you want to put into your label of top twenty best rappers of all time. There's a member from the Wu that's gonna be on it, and that's why I really enjoy listening to the Wu. Now we always gotta remember, during this time, there was another group that came out. Right, that's why we pay homage to both of them, and the other group was coming out of Queens and they were just a different level sound, man. They come from the native tongue sound, from the De La Soul, Jungle Brothers, Queen Latifah, and this group already dropped the previous two albums and then they come out with Midnight Marauders, man. And the group I'm talking about is your boy Tribe Called Quest, Ali Shahi, Malik, Fife Dog, Malik, you know, um, Q-Tip, it was so many different levels of this group that made it such a dynamic group for 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 us to be gravitating to when we first heard them. And some of the dopest things that I really enjoyed about listening to the Midnight Marauders more than anything is the concepts of what they were doing when they were breaking down that album. Now, one of the biggest things that I look into when I hear Midnight Marauders is I always enjoy. When the album first drops and they have the lady, uh, it's like she's the cover art on it too, right? But she's like a computer voice and she's like, I will be your host through this, travel through this, right? And when you hear her break down all of the things that are dynamic, every chorus, she's breaking down something about the dynamics of what's happening in the world at that time and how we need to be better, right? The the funny thing is like when you hear like hear these stuff like throughout the track she's saying things and that's what I really enjoyed about it like breaking down the rate of AIDS in the community to even things like you're not really a man if you don't pull the trigger you're not necessarily a man if you do it's like so many different cool things that that you really enjoy listening to um the tribe when they dropped Midnight Marauders and it was some of the best music that like classic music. It was the total opposite side of the relaxed, chill nature that we didn't get from the woo, because the woo was straight raw, hitting you up with a head, and then the tribe comes out with Midnight Marauders. It was chill. It was relaxed. It was low key, but it was also breaking down facts for things you needed to hear. Now, when you listen to the album, the first you just start with the cover art. The cover art was just dope. You had some of the dopest artists at the time on that cover right? You got people from, like, the all the native tongues, right? Then you got Delta, uh, Helmus, uh, the, the Delta, uh, Funky, Homo Sapien, you got Chi Ali, you got Busta Rhymes, Black Moon, Third Base, African Ben the list goes on and on. Just all these dope groups that's on the cover art. So you knew the tribe was coming through with something when they came out with, with it. Now, another thing that What's really cool about it is when you look at what they were doing, when you see the track listing and you see all of the dope artists that come, that's coming off this track listing, one of the dopest things you see is all the 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 dope music that was basically being broken down in so many different levels and different dynamics. Like when you hear tracks like, oh, my God, when Buster's rapping on the chorus and he's like basically talking about like, Fife Doll and breaking down how he's like you how who have you ever seen as the funky diabetic? Like things like that, or even smooth tracks like Electric Relaxation or The Chase Part Two, it was so many a hundred million stories, so many different tracks that when you listen to the album, you was just so many, you were so caught up into like the energetic move and the energetic music that was being broken down when you heard those songs. Now, I really love the album based to like the flowers, we got to give certain people on it from the production levels and how they were always giving flowers to these artists, people like um, it's crazy that on Saturdays, that's the first time when we think back to the first time we really heard the tribe was on Saturdays and Saturdays was a, was an album was a track that when you listen to it, Q-Tip was on it, a brand new music with Russell Simmons, man, Chris Lighty, they were always breaking down those things. Now, on the production end, Q-Tip collaborated with Ali Shaheed, and they made such classic tracks when you listen to the album, and Large Professor helped produce the track. It was just over, overly so many different artists that you would listen to, and you would definitely sit back and really enjoy the things they were pushing into. They even gave props to, you know, Chef uh, Aslam, right, their producer. Like, they were always giving props to so many different people, man. The album, to me, was one of the most classic albums. Now, in my opinion... My favorite still to this day is um is the third album, because that's the one I really got put on to when it was stressed out. But you can't say nothing about Midnight Marauders, man. They have like four classic albums when you think about it, from their first People's Incentive Travels through Paths of Rhymes to the Low End Theory to Midnight Marauders we talk about now and beat rhymes in life. Those are like the four class albums to hit back to back to back, man. And that's what the Tribe gave us throughout those years. It was so many different smooth tracks on the album, so many different things that when we listen to the album, we always got to sit back to show love. to so. It just like pushed the game forward on so many different levels. And that's why, in my opinion, at that time, that November 93, was such a classic year for hip hop on so many different levels. We get Doggy Style coming out of the West Coast, but we get two albums dropping the same day, November 9th, Midnight Marauders, and Into the 36 Chambers by Wu-Tang Clan. Man, you can't say anything about this time. It should go down in history. It's probably one of the best Novembers ever in history. We get this two classic group dropping two classic albums, man. Yo. when you get a chance definitely go check out the albums they're albums that you're gonna always enjoy you're gonna love the stuff that was put out on them and um just just enjoy it look i did this is one of those days i mean i've been listening to both the albums back to back all day i am all booed out all tribe called quest out and everything about both these groups is what made me really love hip-hop so Look, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, man. We do it every Friday at 7. So when you get a chance, check out some of my previous ones. We're breaking down everything, man. So definitely, as always, just enjoy life and keep the move pushing forward. And listen, man, um, I'm just going to be sitting here listening to more of this tribe and more of this move. All right, Joe? Peace.